Welcome back. We are going to start with Revelation chapter 8, verse 7. Let's go. But first, before I start, I do need to say this. I had a huge revelation, understanding, kick in the pants yesterday. So you may be listening to this way down the road when the election is over, but today is election day for the President of the United States. We were out waving our flag for our biblical values, me and my Ethiopian son on the corner of the highway. Then we strapped the flag to the stroller and we were rolling down. We had lots of honking and happiness and everybody supporting, not everybody, but lots of people supporting us. There were a few people who gave us sour faces and thumbs down. Totally okay with that. And then I had one neighbor stop, and we don't know her well. And she said, I am so glad to see y'all waving the flag. She said, we have been so afraid to put out a sign in our yard for fear of vandalism, for fear of people hating us. And it just struck me. People during this election are afraid to stand for what they believe in. Now, the people on the side of Biden are saying... We agree with you as long as you agree with us. But if you don't, we've actually had uh, someone in our neighborhood put out their sign and someone stole it. They vandalized our neighborhood. We're in a gated community. And it just hit me like a ton of rocks. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm thinking, here we are afraid to express our views politically for fear of retribution from the liberals. And then it hit me even deeper How many of us, myself, you, are afraid to express our views for Christ because it will risk our social circles, our social status, who invites us out over for dinner or for get-togethers, who invites our kids to play with their kids or stops inviting our kids to play with their kids. Are we really willing to hide this lamp, to hide Jesus, who is the light? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Are we going to hide him and be quiet about him and quietly flip through our Bible at home and not take him outside of the house? Are we going to be like so many Trump people who get together only with people who like Trump and talk about what Trump's doing for biblical values? Or are we going to risk getting out there in the public, putting a sign in our yard, flying a flag, telling people about Jesus? You you get what I'm saying? I'm trying to bring the analogy to life. How many of us are hiding something so wonderful? And it's actually hurting our neighbors because they're not hearing about it. Now, don't get me wrong. When you express your love for Jesus, there will be haters. There will be persecution. But there will also, almost certainly be people who are grateful for what you're telling them. I've had amazing feedback on this podcast. I've had amazing feedback in the things that I've studied. I've had amazing feedback for people that I've prayed with in my office who are clients. Sorry, clear my throat. At the risk of that client not liking me, not wanting to come back, I pray for them anyways. Not every single one of them, but probably at least one or two a week. 
where God just calls me to pray for them. Maybe it's someone who's coming out of a divorce and they're really sad and lonely and scared. Maybe it's someone who's got cancer and just got admitted to the hospital. Um, like I've had some um, uh, clients in here recently with that. Maybe it's a death in their family. But God just stirs my heart to share the truth of Jesus Christ with them through prayer. And I'll share this with you. The best way that I have found personally to pray for someone a lot of us say this, when someone tells us a story about some heartache in their life, and we may, if we get up the, the muster and the, and the guts, we may say, I'll pray for you. And that's great. They hear that word prayer. They don't, you know, a lot of different religions pray though. Where's the Jesus? So what I encourage you to do is take it one step further and say, I'll pray for you. You know what? Would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? And then you just pray. And you pray for the will of God. And you pray for the peace and the comfort, etc. Make sure you mention Jesus' name because that's what it's all about. He's the one in control. He's the one we want to glorify. And do you know how many people I've had tell me, no, I don't want you to pray for me? Not one. Not a single one. I've had Jewish people, atheists, multiple different religions allow me to pray for them because people love prayer. I think it's something that God gave us innate in our souls that we desire that prayer because prayer is a form of worship and God built us for worship. Okay. The second thing, <clears throat> because you may not hear this from your pastors, just like a lot of pastors, and I'm not railing on pastors. I'm, I'm just speaking something that I believe that I've witnessed. A lot of pastors shy away and don't teach revelation because they're afraid that it will divide their church. So I'm teaching it because I have no church to be, to be divided. I'm also not a pastor. I just love Jesus. I've gone, got a half, half of a degree through Bible college. I'm not doing this because man accredited me to teach the word of God. I'm doing it because God accredited me to teach the Word of God, and He did that the moment I accepted Jesus Christ because all of us are called to witness. All of us are called to counsel. He is the great counselor, and we are qualified counselors to counsel anyone out there. Now, there are people who have the gift of counseling. I do not. There are people who have the gift of counseling. They tend to go into counseling as a full-time career. But God calls you to counsel. He calls you to witness. And for politics, since we're on it, I'm just going to wrap up with this. A lot of pastors don't talk about politics in the church. So again, I'm going to use this platform because I have no church to be divided. And if you don't want to listen anymore, you don't have to listen anymore. But I believe that pastors should lead their flock because they've got their portion of the church. Remember, we say church, we think building, but church is actually every believer, past, present, and future. I believe it's a pastor's right and obligation to encourage uh, voting of biblical values. I believe that if you're a Christian, you should vote for biblical values, that you should support those biblical values, that you should not be afraid of those biblical values nor try to hide them, that you can support political candidates at a minimum by voting, or you can get out and actually help them make phone calls, knock on doors, put a sign in your yard, wave a sign on the side of the street, 
You can run for office yourself. Even pastors can run for office. Why? They, they're accredited. They know how to speak in front of people. That's check, one, check mark one. They know how to handle dissension and people who are haters. They get that all the time in the church. That's check mark number two. And they've got people who will most likely make calls, knock on doors, and donate money to their campaign because they've got people in their church and their congregation. That's check mark number three. God, we're not going to solve the world through politics. We are not going to cure the rights and the wrong with the world with politics, but what we can do is honor God. And one way that we honor God is voting, voting our biblical values and attempting to have our biblical values as the fabric of society. We understand that over time, those will get degraded, and then we can try to build them back up. But God does not give us the right to stay silent and just fall prey to the opposition and say, um, no, I can't express my biblical values. We are called to express our biblical values. And yes, it won't right the, the wrongs of the world. Jesus will do that. And I vote for Jesus. So just, just that was on my heart. God put that on my heart um, again because a lot of pastors are afraid, and I get it, they're afraid of the dissension in the church if they even mention the word politics or a candidate. But I'm just going to do it right here, right now, because... It's such an amazing thing that we have in this country and this freedom. So we're not going to get deep into Revelation, but we'll start getting into the first trumpet. Verse 7 of chapter 8 says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grasses burned up. So it says, The first angel sounded, and hail and (coughs) fire followed. What did hail and fire remind us of? Of one of the plagues of the Exodus, <clears throat> Exodus nine twenty three to twenty six, the plagues plagues of Egypt were literal, not allegorical. Right? You follow me there? Do you agree with that? These also in Revelation, which have great similarities with some of the plagues of Egypt, are in fact going to be literal and not allegorical. One view is that this could be a nuclear holocaust where the nucle- nuclear war breaks out. I'm not sure. That's that's one viewer, um, and and some people support that. And but think about this, and and some people who support that view is they say created weapons have always been used. They've never just been created and then terminated. They have been used, and we haven't used nuclear weapons yet. So maybe this is the time to come for that. And then it says, and a third of the sea became blood. Remember when the Nile River was turned to blood and the fish were destroyed? Okay, so think about that here, and that's the parallel. And Zephaniah 1.3 says, I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. Right, judgment is coming on earth. There will be wrath felt. Verse 9 says, And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So we're going to see some destruction to kind of different elements of nature and affecting man in different ways. Here, a third of the living creatures in the sea, think oceans, sea died. And in the next couple of verses that we'll go through tomorrow, we're going to see that it affects uh, a different one, affects lakes and rivers. So think here, probably salt water, seas, oceans. 
and the next one uh, in my mind, fresh waters, uh, lakes and rivers. But it says a third of the living creatures die, right? A third of fish life down there just gone. That will be an economic disaster because people rely on that. It could be a health disaster because a lot of people need to eat fish. They can't eat red meat. They need fish for the you know fatty acids and, and whatever. <clears throat> There'll probably be no more swimming, right? If the third of the creatures died, you're probably going to have a lot of nasty stuff floating in the water and a horrible smell. So I'm guessing the resorts, no one's going to go to the resorts at this time because who's going to go want to go swimming when you have one out of every three fish that's usually swimming down there? just floating on the surface of the water and lying on the beach. Um, people are going to suffer as a result of this as well. And it says a third of the ships were destroyed. Well, if we have a third less ships, that means a third less ships to deliver food, to deliver goods. Amazon's going to be in trouble. Our packages aren't going to arrive on time. Food prices will likely be extremely high. Why? Because of supply and demand. If you can't supply... Uh, uh, meet the demand with the supply, then the prices are going to go up. And remember, but now here's kind of a counterbalance, a quarter of the world's population, people, have already died. We saw that in the seal. Uh, we saw that in the uh, seals. So we had a quarter of the Earth's population already pass away, and now we're seeing a third of the sea life pass away. That's it for today. We'll start again tomorrow. Lord, we thank you. Help us not to hide our light, and be afraid to tell our neighbors about who you are. Help us not keep you a secret. It was so invigorating for me to hear my neighbor to say, thank you for doing this because we've been essentially hiding our sign for our political candidate for fear of retribution from our neighbors who are supposed to be nice to us and we you know, cordially talk to outside and at neighborhood parties and stuff. But Lord, help us not to hide our sign for Jesus, to hide our flag for Jesus, to hide our love for Jesus. Lord, may we come alive, may we revive and be built up. Give us the strength, the courage, the perseverance, the patience, Lord, the desire to want to go out and share the truth of Jesus Christ in your amazing name for your glory, not obnoxiously, not knocking people over the head, but loving on them and then telling them, about the love of Jesus Christ because you are love and we know that you're the way and the truth and the life and we want to teach other people just like we were taught. We want to now go out and teach others people and bear fruit, Lord, in your amazing name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the Word of God. Have a blessed day.